On May 4, 1968, horses lined up at the starting gate of the Kentucky Derby. The crowd went silent in anticipation. The most important horse race in the world was about to begin. As he waited, jockey Bobby Ussery took a final breath and patted his horse, Dancer's Image. Then the gates opened, they were off. The horses burst out of the starting blocks. One collided with Dancer's image, forcing Ussery to the back of the pack. But this was all part of the plan. The jockey hung in last place for the beginning of the race, conserving energy and biding his time. Gradually, Dancer's image overtook one competitor, then another. He galloped to the middle of the 14-horse field. With a quarter mile left, Ussery's whip slipped from his hands. The jockey barely noticed, instead smacking Dancer's image with his palm, urging the horse forward. Dancer's image charged through a crowd of horses. Ussery saw a gap in the pack, and he took it. Flying past the leader, Dancer's image crossed the finish line. The crowd erupted. Ussery pumped his fist. Dancer's image had won the Kentucky Derby. But this wasn't the end of his story. Within a few days, the horse would make history again, becoming the first derby winner to ever relinquish their crown. Dancer's image had cheated. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode on the 1968 Kentucky Derby. After the race, the winning horse tested positive for a prohibited drug. Then, owner Peter Fuller launched a five-year court battle to protect his crown. Today we'll explore how Dancer's image won and lost his title in a matter of days. Then, we'll examine two conspiracy theories related to the 1968 race. Some believe Dancer's image was drugged by his veterinarian, a man with a questionable and controversial past. Others allege that Peter Fuller was targeted for his support of Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Peter Fuller wasn't like other horse owners. His stable didn't have a big budget, a lot of mounts, or the pedigree of the well-established operations in the South. His career was as an automobile dealer, but he still dreamed of winning the Kentucky Derby. In the 1960s, Fuller had an opportunity to compete with the larger farms, One of his mares gave birth to a promising young colt, which Fuller named Dancer's Image. For two years, the owner and his team trained Dancer's Image. 
1966, he asked nationally renowned trainer Lou Cavallaris Jr. to take a closer look at his prized possession. That year, Cavallaris had coached more winners than any other trainer. If anyone could make Dancer's image a champion, it was him. One December day, he watched the horse during his workout. Fuller clearly had an impressive animal. He was overweight and out of shape, but Dancer's image possibly had the makeup of a champion. However, Cavallaris had one concern, the horse's ankles. They were larger than normal. Additionally, he was concerned about the horse's joints and bone structure, which weren't ideal. The trainer knew Dancer's image's ankles could inhibit him on the track. He advised his boss to sell the colt. Fuller put the horse up for auction, but at the last minute decided against it. He placed a bid and bought his animal from himself. He didn't have the heart to sell Dancer's image, and deep down, Fuller knew the horse could still become a champion. He called Cavallaris and told him training had to begin immediately. For months, the trainer worked to get Dancer's image in shape. He changed the horse's eating habits, adjusted his workout schedule, and treated his ankles. He soaked the cold in ice baths and wrapped cold water bandages around his legs to reduce the swelling. In 1967, Cavallaris declared that Dancer's image was ready to race. One of his first competitions was at a small Canadian track. With bated breath, the team watched, hoping Dancer's image's ankles would hold up. An injury might mean he'd never be fit for a racing career. But Dancer's image won easily, and they realized they had nothing to worry about. Over the next six months, two-year-old Dancer's image dominated races throughout Canada, and his ankles seemed to hold up just fine. Perhaps the horse had what it took to be a top-notch runner. In 1968, the team began their preparations for an all-important season. Dancer's image was now three years old. Only three-year-old colts are eligible to participate in the Triple Crown of horse racing, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and the Belmont Stakes. If a horse won any of these races, they'd become famous and stood to bring in huge profits for their stables. A win at the Kentucky Derby could mean millions of dollars in stud fees. But for Peter Fuller, the Derby was about more than money. Many in the horse racing world had always treated him like an outsider. Now, his horse might demonstrate that he belonged at the track. Dancer's Image's last big showing before the Derby was the Governor's Gold Cup in Maryland. Sure enough, he won the race by three lengths. It was clear to Fuller, Cavallaris, and everyone else at the stable, the colt was ready. As the big day approached, Cavallaris and his assistants watched Dancer's Image closely. Just days before the race, the horse injured his right front ankle. A friend referred Fuller to a veterinarian, Alex Harthill. The doctor had a reputation as a miracle worker. Once, a horse suffered from life-threatening birth complications. Harthill proposed a risky and lengthy surgery to safely remove the dead foal, after previous vets had said there was nothing they could do. 
It worked and saved the mayor's life. On the strength of this and other stories, Fuller hired the vet. Cavalaris brought Dancer's image to Hart Hill's personal barn at the Kentucky Derby track called Churchill Downs. Hart Hill prescribed a drug known as butazolidin, or bute for short. Used to treat animals, it relieves pain and has similar anti-inflammatory properties as aspirin. It wasn't a stimulant or a depressant, but if testers found it in the horse's system during the run, the animal would be disqualified anyway. That said, there was no rule against using it before as long as no trace remained on race day. Hart Hill and Cavalaris knew the drug usually left a cold system after about three days. To be safe, they administered it to Dancer's image six days before the derby. They didn't think they had anything to worry about. Over the next few days, Dancer's image's ankle improved. But Cavalaris and Fuller remained cautious. They said if the horse didn't look ready to race, they'd pull him from the derby. On Saturday morning, they made the final call. Dancer's image was good to run. Around four in the afternoon on May 4th, 1968, Fuller and his family gathered for the race in his owner's box at Churchill Downs. On the track, jockey Bobby Ussery guided their horse through the opening procession. If he was going to finish first, he knew he'd have to get past the favorite, Forward Pass. That colt hailed from Calumet Farms in Kentucky. With no less than seven Kentucky Derbies under their belt, they were a legendary stable in the racing world. This was the biggest threat as Ussery saw it. At 4.40 p.m., the colts loaded into the starting gate. 30 seconds later, they were off. Ussery kept Dancer's image near the back, conserving energy for the final push. Meanwhile, Forward Pass battled with long-shot Kentucky Sherry at the front of the pack. As the horses came around the final turn, the crowd rose to their feet. They cheered wildly. Forward Pass and Kentucky Sherry had traded the lead. But then, almost out of nowhere, Dancer's image surged forward. He weaved between the horses, steadily pushing to the front. Fuller jumped up and down. Cavalaris lifted his arms in the air. With just a few yards left, Dancer's image pulled ahead. Forward Pass tried to make up the ground, but the Calumet Colt had nothing left. Dancer's image surged forward. He crossed the finish and won the Kentucky Derby. Fuller ran down to the tracks to accept the winner's trophy. All of the hard work had paid off. His horse was a true champion. Afterwards, officials led Dancer's image back to the barn to be scrubbed down and receive his post-race treatment. As the winner, he also had to take a routine drug test. Cavalaris's assistant watched as a veterinarian collected a urine and saliva sample. Never in his wildest dreams would the trainer anticipate the news that came two days later. Dancer's image failed his drug test. The announcement was about more than one horse taking performance-enhancing substances. Dancer's image was about to be at the center of the biggest scandal in Kentucky Derby history. Coming up, 
the controversy that shook the racing world. They're role models, nurturers, and to many, the ultimate best friend. But what happens when Mommy Dearest has a dark side, one that's more criminal than caring? Find out in the Spotify original from Parcast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of Malicious Moms. Every Sunday on Spotify, join me for a closer look at the moms who took their maternal instincts to illegal extremes. A beloved actress who would do anything for her child. A jilted ex who used her kids to take deadly revenge. Plus, a wife, a mistress, and an altercation with an axe you have to hear to believe. In this podcast collection, learn the dire lengths some women went to help their children and how others used motherhood to carry out their misdeeds. Sometimes true crime can be a real mother. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify. And now back to the story. On May 4, 1968, Peter Fuller's horse, Dancer's Image, won the Kentucky Derby. However, after the race, he tested positive for Butte, a banned drug that had been administered six days earlier by veterinarian Alex Harthill. One of the chemists who conducted the tests, Kenneth Smith, was stunned by the results. In almost 100 years of Derby history, no horse had ever been disqualified for drug use. Smith wanted to double-check his findings, so he mailed a sample to the Nebraska Racing Commission and asked if they could verify his results. However, he didn't wait for their answer before he reported his to the Kentucky Derby, and the group acted on the news quickly. On the afternoon of May 6, 1968, the president of Churchill Downs held a press conference. He announced Dancer's image had tested positive for an illegal substance. The horse was disqualified and stripped of his title. When they heard the news, Fuller and Cavalleris were speechless. In all their time in horse racing, neither of them had ever been accused of any wrongdoing. They knew they'd administered Butte six days before the race, but they thought it was highly unlikely it had remained in Dancer's Image's system that long. Someone must have made a mistake. Fuller appealed the decision. In a closed-door hearing, he and his lawyers argued the track chemists had made serious errors in their tests. They requested an independent laboratory to offer a second opinion. The Derby stewards denied their motion. They said the sample had already been used up not disclosing that Smith had already sent the samples to the Nebraska Racing Commission for further tests. The stewards acknowledged Fuller may not have cheated on purpose. The butte that Harthill had administered may have stayed in the cult system for six days. But rules were rules. Dancer's image couldn't hold the victor's title with a failed drug test. Fuller appealed the ruling again this time to the Kentucky State Racing Commission. From late November to early December 1968, Fuller's team presented evidence to commission officials. Many of their arguments centered around the chemist, Kenneth Smith. Fuller's doctors claimed he hadn't conducted a thorough enough analysis to conclude Butte was present. 
Over the course of three days, Smith was questioned for 13 hours. During this time, the chemist often tripped over his words, contradicted himself, and said he didn't recall when specifics were asked. Many thought he didn't seem like a credible expert. But other scientists came to his defense. They emphasized Smith's expertise and trusted his data proved Dancer's image had taken butte. The chemist from the Nebraska Racing Commission also provided testimony at the hearing. He revealed that his tests revealed a very weak positive for the drug. He also concluded that he trusted Smith's findings. Another point Fuller's team made was that Dancer's image had an allergic reaction after they'd administered the butte six days before the race. On the day of the derby, the stud had no such reaction, meaning butte couldn't possibly still have been in his system. Ultimately, the Kentucky Racing Commission didn't find this very convincing. While they again acknowledged that Fuller hadn't done anything wrong on purpose, the test still showed Dancer's image had traces of Butte on the day of the race. They upheld the Derby's decision. Over the next few years, Fuller went through several more appeals processes. The judge at the Franklin County Circuit Court sided with him and reversed the commission's ruling. Ultimately, the case then went all the way to the Kentucky Court of Appeals. They upheld the commission's decision, and Dancer's image remained disqualified. Eventually, after five years of court battles and expensive legal fees, Fuller gave up the fight. The Derby Trophy was unceremoniously awarded to Forward Pass. Fuller couldn't help but feel slighted. In all his other races, Dancer's image had never tested positive for any illegal substances and he found it very unlikely a six-day-old Butte injection would have shown up on a drug test. The whole situation didn't make any sense. He believed somehow he and his team had been set up, and he knew one person who could access the horse whenever he wanted. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. Dancer's image was sabotaged by the veterinarian in charge of his care, Alex Harthill. Harthill had a checkered history. In 1954, one of his horses won his race only to test positive for an illegal stimulant afterward. The horse's groom accused Harthill of injecting something into the animal right before the event. The vet denied he'd done anything wrong. He claimed he'd used medication, typically given to horses that bled during races. His defense worked, and he avoided any repercussions. However, later that year, Harthill admitted to injecting a stimulant into another horse days before a race. While the stimulant was in fact banned, he was suspended because he didn't inform the trainer or the owner about the treatment. He was hiding information from his bosses. Throughout all these scandals, it's unclear what motive Harthill would have had. As near as we can tell, he didn't make money off these schemes. So maybe Harthill was more innocent than his reputation suggested. The incidents might have all been misunderstandings, or he may have taken the blame for someone else. Nevertheless, Cavallaris had good reason to distrust the doctor in 1968. 
He kept a close eye on him before the race, and he was there when Harthill administered the butte to Dancer's image. But the trainer had a huge stable of horses to care for, so he departed Louisville days before the derby. During that time, anyone could have gotten to the horse without the trainer knowing. When Dancer's image tested positive, Cavalleris flew back to Louisville to demand an explanation from Harthill. Before he could confront the vet, he went to Barn 24 to check on the horse. It was about 7.30 p.m., so no one else should have been there. However, when he entered the barn, Cavalleris saw two men crushing up a white substance and mixing it in with the feed. The trainer couldn't believe his eyes. They seemed to be tampering with his horse's food. He stepped forward to confront them. The two men swiveled around, and Cavalleris gasped. He recognized one of the saboteurs. It was Alex Harthill. Coming up, Harthill reveals his scheme. And now, back to the story. The Monday after Dancer's image was disqualified for its 1968 Derby win, Lou Cavalleris traveled to Churchill Downs. He walked into Barn 24 and discovered veterinarian Alex Harthill and another trainer crushing pills into a fine white powder. Then they mixed the substance in with Dancer's image's oats. It was clear to Cavalleris these two men were drugging his horse. Cavalleris confronted the men and demanded an explanation. Harthill's partner piped up to say they were innocent. He said they weren't tampering with the food to hurt Dancer's image, but to help him. The two men explained the white pills were butte. If officials came to the barn to examine the horse's food, they'd discover the drug mixed in with the oats. Then, they'd assume an unknown person had been drugging Dancer's image on purpose, and Cavallaris's and Harthill's names would be cleared. The trainer was understandably confused with this scheme. If anything, the drugged food would likely make the whole team look even more suspicious, especially if anyone else spotted Harthill tampering with the food. Plus, it wouldn't change the fact that Dancer's image had already been drugged and disqualified. The trainer told the men he wanted no part of their odd plot, Then, he went straight to the racing commission and reported the incident. When Harthill and his partner appeared in front of the officials, they changed their story. They claimed they drugged Dancer's Image's food to test Cavallaris. They added, the substance wasn't butte at all, but aspirin. They said they only wanted Cavallaris to think they were giving the horse butte. If he agreed to their scheme, it would suggest he had something to cover up. Then, they'd know he was the person who drugged Dancer's image before the race. If he refused to cooperate, though, they'd know he was innocent. That's a wild claim, and once again, Harthill's explanation didn't make much sense. He had no way of knowing Cavallaris would walk into the barn at 7.30 that night. And the trainer's refusal to drug Dancer's image after the race didn't exonerate him either. To many, Harthill's excuse seemed like a lie. It only made him look more guilty. Strangely, 
Harthill himself acknowledged his plan didn't make much sense. He claimed he panicked after hearing about Dancer's Images' failed drug test. He'd been linked to too many scandals before, and he was desperate to prove he had nothing to do with this one. Understandably, many thought the entire story sounded unbelievable. And the commission wasn't so sure of Harthill's motive in all this. Since many cheating scandals in sports are linked to gambling, they asked Harthill if he'd bet on the Kentucky Derby. He said he had, but he didn't put any money on Dancer's image. In the end, the commission didn't find that this feeding incident had anything to do with the original butte found in Dancer's Images system. They let the doctor off with a $500 fine for his role in the white powder incident. Still, the bizarre circumstances left some people believing the veterinarian was the most likely suspect. Alex Harthill certainly had a controversial career. Throughout the 1950s, multiple people accused him of drugging horses with stimulants. But Butte wasn't a stimulant. It didn't fit the pattern of accusations against Harthill. That's a fair point, but he still snuck into the barn to tamper with a horse's feed. His explanation for why he was there didn't make sense. It seemed likely he was drugging Dancer's image and lied when he got caught. Maybe, but there's one huge issue with that argument. If Harthill actually was guilty, he likely wouldn't have gone anywhere near the barn after the race. He had nothing to gain from continuing to drug the horse at that point. Plus, he didn't bet on Dancer's image, and if he was trying to cheat, he could have used a drug that would actually enhance his performance. There was no motive for Harthill to sneak Butte to the horse. That's true, though I still find his white powder scheme incredibly suspicious, and it's possible he could have cheated by trying to get Dancer's image disqualified so the horse he bet on would win. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I'm going to give this theory a 6. Harthill may have had a questionable past, but he didn't seem to have a motive for drugging Dancer's image. Therefore, I'm going with a 2 out of 10. If Harthill wasn't the one behind the butte in Dancer's image's system, there may be a different explanation because another theory suggests Fuller was targeted for his political beliefs. Peter Fuller started racing horses in the 1950s, and from the beginning, he always felt like an outsider. He came from New England, was educated at Harvard, and sold automobiles, qualities that set him apart in the horse racing world. And one other trait separated Fuller from some in the predominantly Southern community of Louisville, his support of the civil rights movement. Maybe someone wanted him to pay for his views. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number two. Someone at Churchill Downs sabotaged Peter Fuller for backing Martin Luther King Jr. In 1968, the Kentucky Derby had several policies that favored white competitors and spectators. But it wasn't always that way. At the first Kentucky Derby in 1875, 14 of the 15 jockeys were black. But when the Jim Crow era began to take hold, the sport began to push out black jockeys. One of the primary ways they did this was through the Jockey Club. 
The organization was supposed to help regulate the sport, and among other duties, it decided which jockeys received a license. It was no coincidence that they only granted licenses to white jockeys while excluding black competitors. By 1912, there weren't any black riders in the Derby. This was just one example of systemic racism in the sport. For decades, Churchill Downs was segregated, and in 1967, one year before Dancer's Images race, civil rights advocates began demonstrating in Louisville just weeks before the Derby. At the time, most Louisville neighborhoods were heavily segregated by race. So, activists took to the streets to protest Kentucky's discriminatory housing laws. With the government unresponsive to the demonstrations and tensions at a boiling point, some protesters thought more drastic measures were needed. One leader suggested they boycott the Kentucky Derby. A few demonstrators heard it as a direct call to action. On the Tuesday before the Derby, five teenagers snuck into Churchill Downs. The track was running trial races, leading up to the big one on Saturday. As the horses took off, the protesters hopped the fence that separated the crowd from the track. They stood in a line, blocking the lanes. The horses galloped around the turn and entered the home stretch, only to see five people standing in their way. The jockeys pulled on the reins and tried to steer away from the demonstrators. Some managed to stop, but others were sprinting too fast. They barreled straight for the teenagers. At the last second, the protesters ducked under the railing, narrowly escaping disaster. The group was immediately arrested. Race officials, local journalists, and even some activists criticized the stunt. One activist even called it suicidal. Others warned the activists not to try anything like that again. Disrupting the Kentucky Derby's main race would be a step too far. It was the pride of Louisville. With emotions running high, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. traveled to Louisville to join the fight. To a cheering crowd, he said he hoped the city officials would adopt a new housing ordinance. Regarding demonstrating, he proclaimed, quote, We have tried to get the city to do what it ought to do, and since it refused, we have to let them know that we are not afraid to fill up the jails. As the big event neared, officials feared activists would disrupt the race. The day before the Derby, they positioned 15 police cars and four paddy wagons in front of the track. Deputy sheriffs scanned the crowds for potential protesters. On Saturday, civil rights leaders met to discuss a potential protest. They weighed whether a march at Churchill Downs would benefit their cause or further the divide. In the end, the group decided not to demonstrate at the track. Instead, they marched through downtown Louisville hours before the Derby. The race went on as scheduled. A few months later, locals voted out most members of the Louisville government. In December 1967, a new housing ordinance passed. It forbade housing discrimination. And Louisville was the first major southern city to adopt such a measure. But while the law had changed, underlying prejudices still remained. 
They cropped up again in 1968 after an unspeakable tragedy. On April 4th, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. The assassination devastated millions around the country, including Peter Fuller. Two days later, Dancer's image won the Governor's Gold Cup race. Fuller donated his winnings of over $75,000 to King's widow, Coretta Scott King. The gesture wasn't immediately publicized, but during another race, a broadcaster mentioned the donation live on air. Some people didn't approve of a racehorse owner's support of the black civil rights leader. In the weeks before the Derby, Fuller received angry letters and death threats. One night, someone even set one of his New England stables on fire. Fuller asked for additional security at Churchill Downs, but Derby officials rejected his request. They claimed there was plenty of protection at the stables. Fuller disagreed. He said the only person guarding the horses at night was an old man asleep in a chair. Anyone could sneak past the guard and inject his horse with something. And when Dancer's image tested positive for Butte, Fuller wondered if someone had drugged the horse to punish him for his activism. This only seemed to be confirmed later when Fuller had a conversation with another owner. The other man told him he shouldn't have mixed politics and racing. Which makes it sound like someone wanted to teach Fuller a lesson. It's difficult to say who, though. Fuller never named a specific suspect, which makes it hard to evaluate any individual's motives or say if they were capable of drugging Dancer's image. Additionally, Fuller never presented any evidence to back up his allegations. It seems this entire conspiracy theory is based on his speculation. That's fair, but Fuller did have reason to feel attacked. He received death threats and his house was vandalized. It's not hard to believe someone was targeting him, and they had the opportunity to drug Dancer's image, given the lack of security at the stables. If someone really wanted to hurt Fuller, they could have given the horse an illegal stimulant or physically harmed him. An aspirin-like drug seems like a strange way to take revenge. I see your point, but remember the owner who said Fuller shouldn't have mixed politics and racing. Sounds like at least one other person believed Fuller's activism was tied to Butte. Still, that's the only thing close to a piece of evidence Fuller has ever produced, and it's not definitive on its own. I understand where his paranoia came from, but without more, that in and of itself isn't enough. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm giving this theory a 2. I agree there's not much proof. Still, the threats and the owner's comments make me a little more confident than you are. Taking down Fuller through his horse seems like it was personal. I'll give this theory a 4 out of 10. To this day, it's unclear why exactly Dancer's image tested positive for Butte. Maybe the simplest explanation is also the correct one. The dose Harthill and Cavalaris administered remain in the horse's system for six days. It's unlikely, but it's not impossible. For all the division it created, at least one good thing came out of the controversy. 
One year after the legal battles ended, the Kentucky State Racing Commission legalized Butte. Perhaps Fuller's arguments convinced them the ban was unreasonable. Or maybe they weren't as concerned about the drugs as they were about teaching Peter Fuller a lesson. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. For more information on the 1968 Kentucky Derby, amongst the many sources we used, we found Milton Toby's book, Dancer's Image, The Forgotten Story of the 1968 Kentucky Derby, extremely helpful to our research. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Alex Bernard, with writing assistance by Angela Jorgensen and Mackenzie Moore, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. For many, Sunday is a special day spent with family. That makes it the perfect time to check out the Spotify original from ParCast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every Sunday in this ParCast collection, join me for an intimate look at the matriarchs who were far more criminal than caring. Warning, this isn't your mother's podcast. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify. Spotify.